Welcome to The Complete Man, an instructional lecture series guaranteed to transform you into the man of your dreams. With your host, Franklin May. Part 3, Bringing Home the Bacon, or A Man's Place is in the Workplace. Chapter 1, The Career Aptitude Test. All men were put on this earth for a reason. Some were destined to be lawyers, stockbrokers, and heads of state while others were doomed to become artists, actors, and other long-fingernailed reprobates. The point is, there is very little you can do to affect your career path. Ah, but there is something. You may take what's called a career aptitude test, a survey that will, at the very least, let you know if you should enter the service industry, become a sheet metal worker, or undergo intense shock therapy because for some doggone reason you want to be a soft shoe dancer. I mean, can you imagine that there are some people out there that wish to be paid real American money simply for shimmy shamming around in slippers and tights? That's almost as bad as being a poet. And don't get me started on poets. First of all, and I know this because I looked into it one night when I woke up with a bad case of the night hates, most poems don't even rhyme. Can you imagine that? The actual definition of a poem from Webster's John Birch Society Dictionary is this. Poem, a paragraph of words that when put together rhyme for some reason. See there? They're supposed to rhyme. Like this poem I wrote just yesterday. Passions. They aren't allowed outside the heart. Emotions. Not the sort with which one parts. When the ginger snaps and the water falls, as the thunder claps and the spotlight calls, will we have the strength to take the stage against the dying of the light to finally rage, to grease paint on and costume wear, and be the man you cannot bear? Anyway, provided you aren't a steamy heteroclite like a poet, what vocational pursuit should you pursue? Answer these five easy questions to find out more about what you should do to make a living wage. Question one. In which of these workplace settings do you feel most comfortable? A. Behind an oaken desk. B. Atop the beams of a high-rise construction site. C. Standing before a classroom of willing pupils. Or D. In the soft folds of a velveteen doublet while you tenderly explore the delicate ambiguity of Brabantio's woeful heart in William Shakespeare's The Jack Dandy of Padua. Question two. Do you prefer A. Working with your hands, i.e. bossing people around. B. Working with tools, a la masonry and automotive repair. C. Working with your brains, as in maths and sciences. Or D. Working with a fine bristled brush to create the most stunning oil painting since Pierre Renoir laid down on a floor-sized stretch canvas and just made love to his own still-wet self-portrait. Oh, question three. Are you most likely to A. Advise Mr. Glifflin on his expense accounts B. Countersink a pilot hole before going all in with a three-quarter inch carbide tip C. Reprimand a student for asking questions about anything ever Or D. 
dig up some base in earth and clay, only to sculpt its shapeless mass into a porcelain commode so majestic, Queen Isabella herself would sooner tug pleasure a Protestant than shit in it. I'm here. Question four. Would you rather A. Wear a three-piece business suit B. Sport a mechanic's greasy coveralls C. Dress in a tweed sport coat and knit tie like it's casual goddamn Friday Or D. Spend all day applying harsh little makeups to your wilted face so that you can finally become a more believable shoujo sea spirit than Jeffrey Langstrom ever will, and in fact, all of those tiptoers down at the Plymouth Mounds Kabuki stage will finally give you the respect you deserve by retiring your silken obi to the grand fucking wall of kanji mistresses! Shut the fuck up, I know. Question five. Are you a poet? A. No. B. Why do you ask? C. Is it safe? Or D. Yea, though my dance be but with quill and quarto, disguising still my Incan cries as sure as a little whipped pup hides from his thick-wristed master. I think not this world be for me, for I am ascendant ever. As a golden goose to his cloud, I fly to heaven a perfect being, nay, a poet. Well, how did you fare? Let's find out. If you answered mostly A's, you're sitting pretty to be sitting pretty behind the boss's desk, a big buck making the big bucks. If you answered mostly B's, you're the salt of the earth, and though you'll not get rich while performing menial labor, you can at least afford to buy some salt, which comes from the earth. If your answers were mostly C's, then you'll be a teacher, and though you can lie and say you have a respectable job, it'll pay the bills provided your bills aren't for housing, utilities, or food. And if you answered with D's, well, then I'm afraid I just don't know what to say. I suppose only this. Meet me out back of Whitman's Flemish Baths this Friday, 2 a.m. I'll be wearing a smart cape and jauntily cocked cap. Please address me as Stuart the Large, and so I know it's you. Let's use this exchange. Pardon me. Can you direct me to the Rue des Papillons? I can, but forsooth, tis a place to be avoided. Then I am indeed a pilgrim in an unholy land. Despair not, traveler, for I shall be your native guide, eagerly offering to share my bounty. I fear I shall weep, for I am simply ravenous. Then let us sup, foreigner. Let us boldly sup. Chapter 2, Getting the Job One of the most important things you can do to begin your career is to get a job. But how is it done? It's easy, really. 
The patriarchal figure in your family just slowly eases you into a comfortable position within the family firm, wherein you spend your days looking out the window of a corner office while drinking a stiff Harvey milk banger. <laughs> That's it. It's just that simple. Well done. Career attained. Chapter complete. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Marlboro Dan, the Marlboro Man. And I'm Marlboro Roy, the Marlboro Boy. Ever since the day Roy took step number one, I had him pulling puffs off the smooth drag of a Marlboro wand. That's right, I may be only seven years and 13 months old, but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the top quality roll of a Marlboro tobacco leaf cigarette. That's right, Roy smokes them, I smokes them, my wife Janeka smokes them, and so does our other son, by virtue of the fact that his mother smokes and he's still in her belly. Health, it's what Marlboro's here for. That's right again. Ever since I started smoking Marlboro Blues, I've grown six inches of boils. <laughs> That's my boy. Oh. <laughs> got a light? Yeah, I got a light. Case of emphysema. <laughs> We're having some fun now. On our way to the grave. Chapter 3, The Golden Watch. Congratulations, Sport. You got the job, had a successful career, and now it's time to be put out to pasture. The proverbial fill your pockets with bocce balls and walk into the ocean. A real turn the car on and go for a garage drive. A certain grab your best friend Thelma and drive off a canyon cliff. And in exactly 23 years, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Pictures will make a film about it. Because, you see, it's a biological fact of science that when a man hits 55 years of age, and I'm talking to the day, he becomes a worthless mass of extra skin and unfinished sentences. But it doesn't mean you can't enjoy the five to ten years you have left before you take that final plunge off Fuckman's Leap. So, I set out to talk to the wonderful, old, and dying geriatrics of the Walnut Oaks Recreation Center to get some sage advice on how to spend the last days of your golden years. Well, what an adorable bunch of powdered old folks. I just feel like I've come to the right place to learn a little bit about how I should spend my golden years. Let's start with your names. Hi, I'm Flora Mordhorst, and I'm 92 years young. Hi, I'm Dixon Toffee. 95 yesterday, I think, I'm pretty sure. Hello, I'm Dutch. Never had a last name, never wanted one, never needed one. I, I did have one, the Germans took it. Uh, I'm 96, so I got both of these mops with heads beat. I'm Ed Mudlitz. They're not sure how old I am because all of my papers burned up. Well, Ed, let's start with you. Gladly. How do you recommend spending your golden years? Well, I'd, mostly I can't walk anymore, uh, so I spend most of my days reading the newspaper and thinking about how I'm going to get down to Linda Studwartz's room. Oh, she's faster than a, a conveyor belt. Yeah, she's got it all. And more. Yeah, you know, when I first got here, we had a little bit of a romance. And I tell you what, she just gets in there with both hands. Flora, why can't you be more like her? 
If I'd wanted a hot lap to sit on, I wouldn't have killed my husband Earl. <laughs> Freck, was it? Yeah. What you're going to hear from Flora and from Ed is just a lot of, oh, well, how this hurts and that hurts. And, you know, I'm the oldest one, I think, here. And uh, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as sane as can be, knock on wood. Come in. That was his leg. Flora, do you still have any children or grandchildren? I have six living children, and three of them are deceased. They're buried in little shoeboxes in the living room. Oh. The other three are doctors. Well, that's got to come in handy. Once you get into your 80s and 90s, you probably need a little work. Oh, not me, because I take river swims every morning. That's where you swim in a river? Yes, I dip my toes in, and then I slowly submerge, shimmying off the side of the rocks until it gets up to my collarbones. Oh, I'm listening. You got to see those collarbones if you get a chance. She just had them sharpened. Well, Dixon, how do you like to pass the time now that you don't work anymore? Well, you know, I sold the company. What was the company? I ran a cabinet concern. <laughs> was it a cause or huh? an organization, or what do you mean? Well, we, we were a, an organization of cabinet enthusiasts and museum pieces. Oh. Yeah, sold that off, you know, and didn't have the children around, because we, you know, we raised them out in the hills, and uh, you've heard of the ancient Roman exposure? You know, when they, that's when a child comes out malformed or not quite up to snuff, and you just you leave them on a hill, and if they find their way down, well, then, hey, they got the goods. None of us has ever made it back down. <laughs> it's, it's hard for parents to li outlive their children. Wow, shoeboxes and exposure. What a gang. It was a different time, honey. I see. Now, Ed, what kind of career did you work in? I was in mattress disposal. What do you mean by that? Well, how all along you had your mattress there, you whippersnapper. Don't tell him you're going to take it right from me. <laughs> I'm retired. I've got my mattress chained to the bedpost. This is old habits die hard with this motherfucker. I'm sharing a retirement home with this fella. Honest to shits, I wake up one morning, my mattress is gone, but the money I kept under it's still there. How do you figure? I don't sleep on a mattress. I have a pile of rocks I've laid out in just the shape of my body frame. Oh. She's got a spinal column like that weird gal in Pet Cemetery that's up in the room the whole time. Oh, yeah, I'm aware of that movie coming out in about 20 years. <laughs> Forgot about the premise for a moment. Well, Dutch, now what did you do for a living? I went away for arson. Oh, wow, that's rough. Well, when you got it, you got it. What do you guys do to pass the time now that you're no longer working? Flora, what do you do for fun? Um... I make funny faces. Could I see one? Sometimes I stick my tongue out just a little bit and widen my eyes real big like Lucille O'Ball. Lucille O'Ball. Is that wrong? The Irish dance hall girl. That's right. Otherwise, I'll phone my children on my foot phone. What's your foot phone? Well, watch this. Oh, my. <laughs> Look at that. As limber as an eel. How could you not want to get with that? I haven't been turgid in any Pasta stone. Give it here. I'll add it to my bed. Ed, what about you? I, as I said before, I don't get around very well anymore. Oh, my. And uh, so I'm taking up cards. What kind of cards do you play? I play Valentine's Day cards. I play Fourth of July Day cards. You mean like greeting cards? All cards are reading cards. Greeting cards. Oh, how do you do? What about you, Dutch? 
I just died. Oh, my. He seemed to have just fallen down. Well, don't worry about him. He's not really Dutch. He's actually German. He'll get over it. But I think he just died. Uh, He does this a lot. Put him in a shoebox. This is part of getting old. We're all dying, even you, Freck. We have one of those agreements where the last person standing gets the whole kitty. Oh, like in City Slickers 2, Curly's Gold, which will come out in 20 years? Oh, that's that's the one. I had a kitty once. I put her in a shoebox. You put a lot of things in shoeboxes. Not my stones. What about your shoes? Well, those go on my feet, dummy. I apologize. We only get the one pair. They issue you shoes here? Yeah, it's all standard issue. Oh. That's where the word shoe even comes from. How so? Issue. Sure. Oh, Dutch is up. Ah, I dreamt I was young again. What a drag. Being old is great, I agree. Oh, baby, you really wandered into the lion's den here. Did you know you're at an old folks' house for loony boons? Wait, this isn't just a retirement village? No, it's for ex-communists. Oh. Or current communists. Well, which are you? I'm a full-on communist. I'm a future communist. I'm a straight-up Menshevik. (laughs) What about you, Dutch? I died again in the Battle of Stalingrad as a communist. Well, is there any last words you would like to give to the people listening to this audio tutorial on how to finally retire? Stay loose. Stay limber. Stay real. What was the question? (laughs) I also run the batting cages here. (laughs) The question was, what's the secret to a long and happy retirement? I think the real secret to longevity is wise investments that you can live on throughout a comfortable existence. For me, for one, made my fortune on Facebook. It's a series of books made out of dead people's faces. Well, I've certainly heard enough. I should be good. No, never leave. Please stay. God, lock lock him in. Get the chains off your mattress. I'm going to get the big cabinet. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm out of here. Don't worry. If you get a little bit of a head start, we'll forget what we were doing. Wait a minute. Who who, was that guy? Are you my son? He's coming in backwards. Look at how young he is. Oh, best stone. Oh, Dutch died again. I want my raspberry mousse. Wins. The first city's liquors was better. <sighs> Outroduction. Nice job. Well, there you have it. You've carved out a successful career, one that, if you're lucky, took up one-third of your life. Now add that to the one-third of your life you spent sleeping, and that leaves only one-third of your life spent facing the unbearable drudgery of domestic and social responsibilities. Not too bad. Now you can relax and enjoy retirement. And ever since that wheelie FDR enacted entitlement programs like Social Security, you can rest easy knowing that you'll be living high on the hog, spending the government's fortunes like a regular old Al Capone, riddled with scars, syphilis, and guilt to your dying day. (laughs) We'll see you next time. The Complete Man with Matt Gourley as Frecklin May. Marlboro Dan and Marlboro Roy and Old Man Dutch. James Bladen as Philippe the Spy. Amanda Lund as Old Woman Flora. Jeff Davis as Old Man Dixon. And me, Mark McConville, as Mort the Announcer and Old Man Ed. The Complete Man is written and produced by Matt Corley. Executive produced by Amanda Lund. Until next time, this is Mort Kleinman for The Complete Man. Thank you.
Stereos. Powered by ACAST. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.